of the gifts. I remember taking a systematic theology class in seminary, and one of the professors, Dr. Bruce Ware, shared about the church. And that's really what our text is about today. It's about the church. And he talked about the metaphors in the New Testament for the church. I remember him teaching us four of them. I just briefly want to tell you what they are. I think you can grasp them. I don't think you need to be enrolled in seminary to grasp them. They're pretty simple. The first one we see in John 10 and other places, it's the church as a flock. Maybe you've heard of the church described as the flock of God or God's flock. That was the first one. He talks about how Jesus is the good shepherd of the flock and the following of the sheep in the flock. And he did a good job teaching us about the flock. So that was the first one. The, uh, the second one that he shared about was the church as a building. And he says we see that in Ephesians chapter 2 uh, where Paul is using a metaphor of one new man. And he talks about how the church is a building growing and it has a cornerstone that is Christ and a foundation, uh, living stones in Peter. So whether it's a flock or a building, we understand this is metaphor, right? Metaphor is to be mined for meaning, but metaphors can be pressed too far. But metaphors are still meaningful. We need to understand the New Testament uses metaphors to describe Christ's church. Not, Not only universal, but as the gathered out local church. So he talks about it as a flock. He talks about it as a building with a cornerstone and a foundation. Uh, He also uses the metaphor of the bride of Christ. Maybe you're familiar with this metaphor in Ephesians 5 and 2 Corinthians 11 where he says, I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy. Uh, He talks about the husbands and wives in Ephesians 5, but he compares it to Christ in his church. And so the church is not just a flock and not just a building, but it's also a bride adorned for her husband on the day of the Lord at the great marriage feast of the Lamb. So there are these beautiful metaphors. Now you can push metaphor too far, but you can also not push it far enough. And it's the same with our metaphor today. Today's metaphor in our text is it's not a flock and it's it's not a building and it's not a bride, although all of those dogs will hunt in New Testament studies when you're studying about the church. This one is actually a body. And in our text today, the English Standard Version of the Bible, which I will be reading from, will use the word body as a metaphor for Christ's church 19 times in this passage. So it's definitely the theme, undisputed theme. And in the body of Christ, we read about this metaphor, not just in 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, which we're studying now, but also in Ephesians 1, Ephesians 4, Ephesians 5, as well as Colossians 1, we see the headship of Christ. Uh, We see the ruler to be the Lord of the church, the dependence of the body on the head, which is Christ, the unity between the body and the head, the interdependence of every member. We see these as part of the metaphor that's trying to compare or explain to us, compel us to seeing the church as not just a flock and a building and a bride, but as a body. And so without further ado with that metaphor, I want to read this passage for all that it's worth, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 27. And I do want you to notice how many times in this passage that the word body is mentioned. I've already told you 19, but it's going to sound uh, like a lot. Also nine times the word member or members, like members of a church is going to be used. And uh, furthermore, in addition to body and member being used a lot, the word part, being a part of the body, is going to be used eight times in just ten verses. So part, member, 
of what the body, and the body is the metaphor, so you can kind of sink your hooks in uh, to this, this reading. Real quickly, if you understand membership as a biblical concept this morning, if you understand membership as a biblical concept, I believe the benefit will be a healthier church and a greater number of people that are already believers but aren't connected with the church, which that may describe you this morning. You may be a believer that hasn't connected with church membership. I believe if you understand membership as a biblical concept from this text this morning, I believe it will lead to a healthier church that is as it is right now, uh, such as we'll have like members meetings, the members meeting tonight where the members gather to discuss member issues and business and plans. But at the same time, I think we're going to see an in-gathering together of more believers into membership because they understand it as a biblical concept. So I think those are the benefits uh, from today's sermon and today's uh, text. We'll take this looking at the beginning in verses 12 and 13, staying with church membership in verses 14 to 24, and ending in church membership, ending this life in church membership, verses 25 to 27. So Without further ado, as I like to say, let's read the verses beginning in verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye could not say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And on our unpresentable parts, we treat with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed, so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body. Know that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same, may have the same care for one another, the same care, the same concern, the same anxiety with one another, the same concern, the same care, the same concern. If one member suffers, one of the one another's, one of the members suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually you are members of it. And just for context, the very first part of verse 28, and God has appointed in the church and he goes into his gift listings, which will be for next week. But I want to stop there. Just see church is clearly the metaphor. He immediately goes from body to church. God has appointed. Notice here from the onset that God is appointing. 
You see that in verse number 28? Who does the appointing? God does the appointing. Notice that God is composing. Look at verse 24. Who does the composing? God does the composing. Notice that God is doing the choosing. Who does the choosing? God does the choosing. That's right. And we could go on and on, apportionment and so on. What is going on here? Who is making the body of Christ, the church? God is. Is man making the church? No, God's making the church. God's making the church by his word. And our first point this morning is beginning with church membership. Let's look back up at verses 12 and 13. God is making the church. He is responsible for membership. This is not man's idea. This is God's idea. Notice in verse 12, as the body, just as the body is one, it has many members. You might call that unity and diversity, that it's both and. It's, it's not just the individual, and it's not just the body. Sometimes churches will talk about how salvation is group-oriented. you got this whole group being saved. And then other churches will talk about, we can only talk about individuals being saved, individual salvation, individual members. And what I am convinced of from Scripture is that it's both and, it's not either or. That we both ought to be able to talk about the collective group being saved, or what we might call corporate salvation, and talk about individual salvation, that each individual is saved. I believe we err, and this may seem like a minor point to you, but I assure you it's a place that we can get divided real quick. I believe we err when we strictly talk about individually, hey, are you saved? Have you been washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you know Jesus? Have you converted to Christ? That, it, that must happen, but at the same time, do you understand that you are being redeemed with an entire corporate body that is to be understood as the bride, the flock, the building, or the body of Christ? You see? It's both and. It's not either or. And if you cut one or the other, you have a, a truncated view, a, a diminished view of God's work of salvation in our lives. And this work is truly a work of God and salvation. Look, look at verse 12. All members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. See, when we talk about being baptized in the spirit, as is typified when we go through the waters of baptism, we're talking about something that God hath done. We didn't do it. God did it. While we were yet sinners, Christ already had died for us. God is the initiator of our salvation. We don't initiate it. Doesn't that give you a wonderful peace that passes understanding, friends? Think about that. What a restfulness that you have and that God initiated your salvation. We don't have to invent some new way to do it in the 21st century. God initiates it. While you're yet sinners, Romans 5.8 says, Christ died for you. We are baptized into this one spirit, and in this baptism that we have together, we are initiated or inaugurated into Christ's church. We are a part of his body. Now, there are ramifications for that, staying with it, but our first point needs to be drilled down deep before we move on, and it is just very simply that we began because God initiated salvation, that he is the one that baptizes us into the Holy Spirit, or what some, some translations will, will call it the Holy Ghost, we're baptized in the Holy Ghost. We have the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit is inside of us. And whatever your view is on the continuation or cessation of the gift of tongues, what can be sure is there is no second blessing by which you must have in order to be saved. The idea that you need something else besides the baptism of the Spirit at your conversion in order to be converted 
is a farce. You're converted by God's work in your life. You're not converted based on a particular gift that you may or may not have. And that is going to become abundantly apparent if you read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 in context. is an indisputable fact. Now, this first point, beginning with church membership, means beginning with God initiating us into his covenant, into his kingdom, into his body by the finished work of Christ. And thus, we started with the spirit that came into us at salvation, and we stay with the spirit that that. Uh, for you is that whatever your part to play, as they say in England, whatever your little bit is, do your bit. It matters. I mean, it matters if you're taking the trash out of the bathrooms at the church. It, it matters if you're organizing a short-term mission trip. It matters if you're doing the laundry for the nursery. It matters if you're picking up after kids in the basement. It, it matters if you're teaching class at VBS. It, it matters if you're singing songs on Sunday morning. It matters if you're, and we could go on and on if you're volunteering in the office. It matters if you brought cookies to the youth barbecue lunch today. It matters, it matters, it matters, it matters, it matters. And it's a lie from the enemy to think, well, well, I don't matter. And to press it further, there are those that have tender consciences that for one hurt feeling or another have become on the outside looking in of the local church membership. You're a believer, but you're on the outside looking in. And and I want to tell you this morning that your bit matters too. Part of this text is to ingather you into the recognized, ratified membership of the church under a common covenant together and believing and behaving in such a way that the world sees our unlikely unity and says, I want to worship Jesus too. We want you in. There's a whole process for that. On your tear-off, it says, I want to take membership matters. I'm ready to do that. One of your applications today is just to circle that. Just circle that, yeah, I do. And I will be following up with you to say, this is when we can do that. And we're going to, we're going to break that barrier down between not just understanding that church membership is biblical, but actually getting into church membership. We're going to talk about that. If you as a believer, we're going to work on that. And it's going to be, deep in the Word of God, and it's, it's going to be sweet because it's going to enable us to go broader together because the depth we have in the gospel of Jesus Christ. God begins this thing, verses 12 and 13 says, but staying in this thing is something that not only God does, but we're cooperating in. We see one of the pitfalls to that in verses 14 through 19. Another pitfall is not gift envy or envious of other parts, but it's I don't need the other parts. It's a, it's a, it's a swelled up pride that I can do this by myself. And it comes to us in verses 20 and following. It says, as it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Nor the head to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker, that they're indispensable. The parts of the body that we think are less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. And he goes on to tell us why in, in verse 25 and following. It's to fight division. It's to realize unity. But I just, just want to stop there. Is the Apostle Paul a funny guy or what? I mean, this is kind of, I mean, it, it's, we're knuckleheads. And if I just called you a knucklehead, then you wouldn't listen. But since he kind of tells stories about body parts and this and that, you kind of get the, you kind of get the drift, don't you? Or at least I want you to get the drift as we lay out the, the second point here. If the first people were envious of other gifts and they're really timid and they're not going to engage and they're just going to leave 20% of the people to do 80% of the work because I'm just not that important. I'm on the outside looking in. These are the 20% that think they're the, they're the deal. You know, man, I'm a, 
I'm, I'm kind of slick, you know. I'm pretty proud of the way I look, act, speak, talk, walk, kind of assured. Now, that's a problem. It's a problem. And I'm going to tell you kind of how I see this a little bit. And I've been thinking about this in light of this text this week. God does give gifts of leadership to the church. There's no doubt about it. Clearly, he does. I, mean, I was edified by Brother Mark Parman this morning. He was reading from the scriptures. And he just brought an understanding of the gifts in the body of Christ and how they're supposed to promote unity. And that was leadership. He read the scriptures said a few words about it. He led us in prayer. I was edified by that. I, I said to him on the way up here, I said, you know, I don't think I need to preach now. You pretty well got that covered this morning. And, and then, of course, now you're saying, I wish he hadn't preached. I mean, I could have been on to lunch by now. But my point of the matter is he led us. Well, but, but, but listen to me, friends. The gift of leadership or administration or, or these types of gifts, the, the, the word gifts, the problem in the church at Corinth is they were seeing some gifts, some parts of the body as so much more desirable than others. And so they were really limiting themselves because they were ignoring God's design for every part being indispensable, especially the parts that you're kind of neglecting that you think aren't indispensable. So it's not that God doesn't gift certain people with high IQs. It's that we're not really to to look at that as, as more important in an arrogant kind of way. We're just to appreciate that for what it is. Or God gives some people being able to have a high emotional quotient. Well, that's just something God gave the church. Or God gives some people with being able to sing really well. Well, that's just something God gave the church, right? Does it, you're tracking with me? So the problem is you can have an envy. Well, then I'm nothing. The other side of it is that person can have an arrogance. Well, I'm everything. And I, I like it unto if you imagine uh, being in an airport terminal and you're, you're needing to pick up your bag, are your bags from the, you know, that thing that goes, what that thing goes around? Mark Lambright could help me if he was in here. He goes, what? That carousel is going around. I want you to imagine like a 300-pound, a, a just muscled-up guy there. I mean, really muscled-up. And I want you to imagine like a guy that's about, I don't know, 120 pounds soaking wet, and he's, he's a lightweight kind of a guy. Maybe he's in decent shape, but, you know, he's a smaller guy. And I want you to imagine this 300-pound guy deciding he's going to do a service to all the airline passengers by putting all those bags on him that he can possibly get and carrying them to the exit door. Well, even if he's a big, strong guy and a talented guy, he can only do his bit to a certain extent, right? I mean, he's going to get five or six of those big old things. He's going to be carrying all this luggage, and he's not going to be moving very fast. And, and the 120-pound guy looks at that, and what if the 120-pound guy says, you know, I might could carry two of those, and he's got like six, but he's doing a good job. I'm just going to hang over here. I'm not going to worry about all those, that luggage in that carousel. Well, that's not the design, is it? Every passenger has a bag or two, don't they? And they grab it. And even if one guy, you know, he's a heavy packer because he can carry a lot. He's got like four bags. It doesn't mean that the 120-pound guy doesn't have two. He's not supposed to do his bit. I think that's where we get this thing messed up. And I know I've belabored this point, and I'll try to wind it down. But I think it's so important. If, if you have been on the sidelines, you know, they like to say in churches that, you know, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Well, there's, there's reasons for that, not just because of a timid person. It's also for the prideful person. The person's full of themselves. and thinks they can handle it all. I'm a 300-pound you know, guy that's going to carry all the luggage out. No, let's all do our bit. And some person, people may be able to carry a little more, may be able to help a, 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 a person that's truly physically weak. I'm using a metaphor here to describe a metaphor. But on the main, we all need to be doing our bit. And if you've been on the sidelines and, and you don't know where you fit in ministry, but you want to engage, 
just do something that's in front of you. And if you really need help figuring out where to serve in the body of Christ so that every member's in ministry, ask a leader in the church how you can serve and we'll help you. We'll walk alongside you. We're not here to to throw stones at you or say, well, you haven't served very well before, so we're not going to let you serve now. That's not the point. Uh, the point is, is to do easy plus one. is to meet you where you are and to go to the next step. That's what it means to, to walk with Christ. And for some of you, the next step is membership. You literally haven't covenanted membership, so, so we need to do that, and that's, that's part of what's there at, at the bottom. One, one more thing about the second point, and then we'll move on. It says here that, that God so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it in verse 24. In other words, it, there, is a, there is a sense in which those that are, are confident in the gifts God has given them has a responsibility to draw out those that seem to, to think that they're really not a meaningful part of the body of Christ. So if, if you're a person that, that exudes a bit of confidence about how God's gifted you for the body and where your role is in the body and your service in the body, you have a, it's incumbent upon you, you have a responsibility to draw out those that are seemingly on the sidelines. Maybe you could do that task yourself or that thing yourself, but, but how much better if you take this in context and say, let's go along together. So gift envy is a problem, but gift pride is a problem. And that is how we sometimes struggle with staying in church membership because we wear out thinking we're gonna do it all or we don't ever really engage and we wind up thinking it's not all that important to be a part of the body of Christ and so we kind of fall away from the thing because we don't see our place. And this is not the design. Verses 14 through 24 instruct us that God sees us. He has made us as a body to function as a body. And so we need to take great steps to try to function that way as God has uh, designed. My... uh, my wife, she, some of you know, she hung her toe on the end of the bed. Uh, we have one of them little, what do you call those things on the end of the bed? Are they, they're trunks, aren't they? Trunks. We have a trunk on the end of our bed. Don't do that. It's a bad idea to have a trunk at the end of your bed. She's coming around early one morning. It's probably still dark outside. And she hangs her toe on the trunk and she yanks it real good, yanks it out of place. And well, frankly, she broke her toe pretty bad. And it's been some weeks ago. And you all are so sympathetic toward her. You're so kind, and I just want to say thank you for that. Your kindness precedes you. You're so kind. You're much kinder than the ortho doctor she went to who will remain unnamed for the sake of this sermon. His words were, and I quote, not to be mean, Melissa, to that toe, but toes aren't really that important. You'd be just fine, and you can live without it. I'm just kind of wondering if he can live without me paying the bill for her going to see him. It's kind of what I was <laughs> But uh, all kidding aside, that dog won't hunt in the body of Christ, will it? Uh, it's very true she can live without a toe, but that toe caused her a lot of pain. And, and furthermore, what our last point tells us is that that pain is a sign of health. It's a sign of the body firing on all nerve cylinders in a healthy way. Um, it, it, listen to, to how verses 25 and following kind of lays it out. It says that God, it says God composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, verse 25, that there may be no division. The point in all these people engaging in membership and serving a membership, being a part of the membership, is, is that there wouldn't be any division. Instead, that the members may have the same care. That word means care or anxiety, concern for one another. So if I could just back away right there at verse 25 and just kind of meditate on that with you for a second. What it means is that when there's a seemingly uh, inconsequential part like a toe that's dislocated, a healthy body with healthy nerve endings and synaptic connections in the body 
will not just function like a physical body, but like the corporate body, we will all jump our feelings to that toe because that's the one in duress. Now, there's a caveat here. Sometimes there's false positives and you can have overactive nervous systems and all that. But remember, metaphors break down. Forget that. Just hang with me on this. What happens on a a reasonably healthy body when you hang your toe or any other limb? All your attention goes to the pain you feel in that toe. A healthy body, a healthy church will have the ability to say, everybody's attention just went to Marvin Brown. I'm not calling Marvin a toe, but hang with the metaphor because the toe is hurting right now. I said, well, that seems like a colossal waste of time to be concerned over a toe. You, you know, I mean, you guys can surely go on as a church without that toe. No, we can't go on without that toe because the weak parts are indispensable. You understand? We don't know better than God. Meager things in the eyes of the world, hugely important matters of faithfulness to God. We don't get to design how we do church. God made the church. We don't get to make the design plan. He made the design plan. And he says that the seemingly insignificant parts are indispensable. Do you understand that? Now, that has implications for you too, though. And you need to think about those implications this afternoon. You really do. Don't just walk away from the sermon and think, well, that was for all them other people, you know. No, it's for me. It's for Matt. It's for you. This text is for us. We understand church membership, but then we figure out the implications for me. And that toe that is Marvin Brown should be our agenda harmony today. And you know what? It'll rightly be something else some other time and something else some other time. We always, it it, it may not always be a physical need in that way. It may be an emotional need. It may be a a burden we have for the loss in a certain area. But the health of the body is our ability on the main, even though there's lots of concerns in the body. I mean, you brushed your teeth and you flossed them and you you, you used Q-tips and everything else today. But the concern is that toe today because that is the agenda harmony of the hour. And friends, that's how it needs to be. We need to be able to shift agenda harmony as a local church based on how the Spirit leads us because we're so in tune with the nerve endings of the body that we feel together. You'll notice we say brother and sister around here. There's a song, the family of God. It's because we're a family, we're a body, and these folks are dear. When one has a heartache, we all share the tears and rejoice in each victory because this family... What's the rhyme? It's so near. Is that how it goes? It's so near. Dear and near. That's this verse. I mean, say what you want about 20th century songs, but here that's this verse. Look, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer. If one member is honored, all rejoice. You see that? That's that, that's that verse. And finally, 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 now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it, corporate and individual, group and singular. And God has appointed in the church these gifts. And boy, do we ever need to end like we began with God making us. I was uh, visiting. We talked about Mr. Brown uh, earlier, and I was visiting him uh, this week. It, just, just a privilege to be able to do that. He's an encourager. It's one of his gifts. He's an encourager for sure. And... Uh, I read this passage to him. Well, not the whole thing. I do this a lot. When I come visit you in the hospital or whatnot, if I get a chance to pray with you, I'll read 1 Corinthians 12, 25 to 27. 
I mean, I very, very frequently do this. It's not something I just made up for this sermon. I've done it, no doubt, dozens of times. And this, so I'm going to read it to you fresh. I might be at your bedside, and I will, I will say to you these verses, and then I will pray. And this is how I talk about ending with church membership. And I'll say to you, um, if you're in a hard time, a lot of times I say, do you mind if I read scripture with you? And very, you know, of course you say yes, that'd be great. And I'll turn to First Corinthians 12. It's one of my, it's one of my hobby horses. It's the place I go to regularly. And I'll say that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Do you know the members care about you, sister so-and-so? I do. Listen to verses 26 and 27. If one member suffers, all suffer together. I want you to know that we all feel you right now. You're our toe right now that got hung on the end of the bed. We feel your pain, and we are praying for you, and we're thinking about you. And I don't have the gift of healing all by myself, but we are all together gifted to pray for healing, and God the Spirit is due and ripe and caring to bring comfort to your body. Whether he heals you physically or not, I do not know, but I'm asking for it because I believe God is mighty to do it. And should he not choose to heal you in the body, should he choose you to endure your cross-like experience, if this is your Gethsemane, and you're filling up the afflictions of Christ, I want you to know we walk with you right to the point in which you see Jesus' face. We all suffer together. This is what church membership means. And if one member is honored, we can rejoice together. If somebody has a celebration, if they graduate from something, have an accomplishment, we're not jealous, are we? Can't we celebrate them? Well, let's try not to be, right? As we're walking with the Spirit and keeping with the Spirit. And if there's any doubt about all of this, about how we end the same way as we began, this text tells us very, very clearly that we end the way we began, that God apportioned the gifts in the church. He brought us into it, and he will consummate it in the end in the final analysis of things. It's in our best interest as we worship God to stay with this church membership all the way through. If you will understand membership today as a biblical concept, I believe our church will be healthier and we'll have an in-gathering of new members or maybe old members coming home, inactive members returning to activity, uh, We'll have a wonderful, wonderful blessing this year in 2019 because of that. Whether it's the flock, whether it's the building, whether it's the bride, or in this case, it's the body, God's church members are God's design. I want you to embrace that this morning in the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us one another. Thank you for giving us this body Thank you for making us a people where we were no people. Thank you for encouraging us in ways that we didn't even know we could be encouraged through the membership in the church. Thank you, O Lord, for not only knowing more than we do about everything, but being patient with us to teach us that which you know about these very, very, very important things. Help us through the I don't belongs. Help us through the they don't belongs. Help the impulsive to abide with the cautious and the mystical to abide with the practical and the old to abide with the young, the prominent to abide with the seemingly obscure, the extrovert to abide with the introvert, the inspirational to abide with the analytical. Make us into a perfect sonnet, a beautiful song, a glorious picture. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we meditate on these things, our ushers can come to collect our offerings and our tear-offs, and then I'll have a word about our students.
Brother Dan, will you pray over our offering and these prayer requests we're going to receive on this tear-off?